Five, four, three, two, one. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they could become something more. See if they could work together when we needed them to. To fight the battles that we never could. My name is Jennifer Smith. I'm here with my three handsome co-hosts, JT and Tim and Scott. How are you guys? Hi. Good evening. Or morning. Quite correct. well. Yes, we have finally, the stars have aligned in the galaxy to allow us to continue our journey through the MCU. Um, so our next film is called Guardians of the Galaxy. It is from 2014, the 10th film and the MCU. Mm. How are we feeling? How we feel about this film, Tim? Uh, what were your thoughts? What, what did you know about the Guardians of the Galaxy? I knew a little bit about the Guardians of the Galaxy. I think like a lot of people, it wasn't by any means my favorite comic uh, of people who even come into this film with any comics knowledge, which is probably not a ton of its audience, especially given the money that it made. Uh, so I sort of knew the original iteration of this team from, you know, just books I was reading in the nineties, but I never really touched the guardians of the galaxy series itself. Um, just sort of knew of the various team members, like, uh, on the periphery. I mean, very surface level type stuff, but, uh, this is not even that, I guess, classic version of the team. It's, it's a different, um, interpretation, which, I mean, this does have, um, a, a comics precedent. I think they like reorganized the team around 2008. I want to say, to resemble what would appear, what would eventually appear in the film. So I kind of knew what to expect going in. And I thought that if they lifted the tone from what little I had read of that comic, that it could really work. Uh, so I, I maybe didn't have the kind of skepticism that other folks might've had, uh, going into this and truly not knowing anything mm-hmm. and wondering, gosh, is this going to be a big stinker? Cause it looks so goofy and I've never heard of any of these characters. Uh, what about you, Scott? Did you know anything about the guardians of the galaxy? And do you think that it was an odd choice for the next film in the MCU? Uh, I vaguely remember cause I, I didn't remember, uh, obviously I wasn't born when 
the Guardians first came around in, I guess it would be the what, the late 60s. Late 60s, yeah. In Marvel superheroes, yeah. I you do weren't remember. Born then, Scott? I was not. Okay. No, I officially was not. Uh, I do remember Annihilation Conquest, like that crossover in, what was it, mm-hmm. 07, 08. I do kind of remember that. But like you, I, like you, Tim, I was fairly on the periphery. Uh, but I was legitimately excited when this came out because, and I'll mention this a lot going forward because we there's really three now that we've got this movie there's really three types of mcu movies you have the earthbound movies which you know the earthbound stories which is pretty much tony and cap and we'll have another earthbound uh hero down the line we have the the um earth slash cosmic hybrid which is kind of what thor is a little bit of both and then we'll have another character also down the line who also was kind of a earth slash cosmic um hybrid so now we've got the first like full-blown cosmic movie Mm -hmm. where it's Mm -hmm. pretty much entirely in space except for the flashback at the beginning Mm -hmm. so i was kind of excited for that because i I, you know i I was kind of it was i think it's it was time to have a movie in like a different landscape and i knew that the characters were going to be a little funny so we'll talk about it as we move go ahead about the tone of the movie i think that's a huge aspect of it that i think needs to be discussed and you even said it tim you're like you know who these goofy characters are Mm -hmm. um maybe the the maybe the the timeline needed a little goofiness needed a little levity Mm -hmm. um without compromising the story which we'll get to when we talk about it but i was excited i was kind of looking forward to kind of a change of pace something different something not so entirely serious because cap is very serious both his movies are like no humor at all in Tony's movies, he's funny, but the movies aren't funny. Mm-hmm. He's funny. But this is the first one where I knew we were going to get a little bit of like, you know, a, a joke every few minutes that would make you laugh, but not again compromise the story. So I was kind of looking forward to it. What about you, Justin? What do you know about the Guardians and were you ready to be uh, outer space? Well, I'm obviously well versed in the history. Um, studied right. a lot of books way back in the day. Yeah, knew all about them. Uh, no, I mean, I didn't obviously knew nothing about these guys. I, I had known them just from like shirts <laughs> and like uh, memorabilia <laughs> that I've seen. I thought they looked like an odd ragtag little group. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I can't say I was like super into them. And the group thing I didn't get because like around the time when this came out, everyone kept saying I'm group and I didn't know if that meant I'm great <laughs> or what it meant. <laughs> um, so I, I had no clue. Uh, what that was about, and I remember living in darkness as that was making the rounds back in the day. But I had heard that this was good, and obviously Chris Pratt's great, so I figured there'd be some fun stuff. Plus Batista, obviously, uh, yeah. I knew that. Bradley Cooper, I'm a fan of. So it was a lot of people as fan of in this. It's just kind of getting to understand. Um, and uh, like Scott had alluded to and, and talked about, we haven't really seen much like space-wise yet either. So uh, obviously, besides some of Thor, but and, and I don't know, this this seems like a different like we haven't really had a space romp, and that's what we're gonna have here. Um, so that was a new dimension, I, I guess. I know this seems funny on its surface, but when I think of like comics before we got into some of this stuff, I didn't I just didn't picture them being like a space thing. I don't know. like I know they came from space, some of the superheroes and stuff, but I don't know. Like I just always picture everything on Earth, so it was weird. It was a little jarring for me at first when I started exploring space a bit and having characters that lived out there. It makes sense to me completely now, but 
I guess maybe too because I'm grounded. You know, my first real true exposure was the Netflix shows. There's nothing really um, too mystical uh, out of right. space wise there. Like those are all very grounded. They're all fucking New York, let alone Earth. Um, so, you know, and then it's Spider-Man, obviously. So beyond Superman, I just wasn't aware too much of like, oh, shit, there's a bunch of stuff that happens in space. I thought that was a Star Wars. <laughs> hmm, okay. <laughs> Well, um, I do want to talk about the cast because I think it's pretty fascinating. I already, told them, I already said them all. I know, I know. But um, I want to talk about the one scene that is based on Earth in this movie, which is the opening sequence that slayed me from the beginning. I don't know if you guys had the same reaction that I did, but, I, you know, I, I had the impression this was a lighthearted comedy. You know, it's going to be in outer space and this guy's funny and, like – you know, we were already exposed to some of the soundtrack, so I was like, why am I sobbing in the first three minutes of this movie? Um, I, they just hit you hard, like, right out of the gate. Did anybody else have the same reaction? I was I was more confused than anything, honestly, because um, I didn't know what the fuck was going on. <laughs> like I, I didn't know if that was Quill, or I didn't even know who Quill was before the movie. I just knew that Chris Pratt was in it as a guy. Um, so, like, trying to figure out if this was now, then, uh, where he's headed, what's going on. I, I pieced together pretty quick, but I think I spent more of that first scene trying to put it together. And I also thought it was a wonderful use of uh, Not in Love by 10CC, um, which sets the soundtrack uh, up well. But the the way they fade in the movie with that beginning of that song, which is like a fade-in song, um, I thought it was, like, a really good choice. So I was still... I was still adjusting to how wonderful that was. Um, so, yeah, it was obviously sad. And I have my notes that it was a depressing start to the movie. Yeah. Uh, watching this woman d- uh, die of cancer. Um, and, of course, eventually we'll find out how we get there. But, uh, again, yeah, to me, it was it was just hard to figure out what's what for a few minutes and get calibrated. Hmm. I always remember the opening of this movie being Quill dancing on Morag. Um, which, I mean, happens right after that. But... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's one of those things that just kind of doesn't stick in my brain as, as sort of important of a scene and it's somber as, of a scene as it is that I've just sort of mentally edited, edited that until <laughs> later in the movie. I think it's only because of the song that I remember it so well, because like, whenever I hear yeah. the song, obviously uh, it's a heavy rotation on Yacht Rock. So whenever <laughs> I hear it, I think of that scene and that's, that's I think it's the main reason it sticks with me. Yeah. I do think it's a good choice to open that way because it does sort of put you in a state of mind where you're, you're really, you're, you're really rattled, right? You're not sure what to expect after that because you think of the MCU movies having humor being such a big part of this film series and and kind of part of that house style and going into this, you're like, oh, it'll be kind of a goofy space romp, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, this is like kind of an assault on the senses here. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like you said, we're we're right into space um, after this. And um, you don't have to get too emotional for the rest of the movie. So I guess that's good. Thing. <laughs> Gut punch get right out of the way. beginning. It's even after the volume two. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Mm. Scott, you didn't cry in the beginning? Uh, I, I was definitely, again, I, I knew the characters and I knew who they were, but I knew, like JR, I knew zero of the backstory. So I was, the only reason I knew it was a flashback is, I don't know if it actually said 1988 in the beginning. It did. I don't think, it did. All right, so that was it. Otherwise, that and the fact that yeah, but, it was so, a Walkman. 
for me I, watching this now, like I didn't know when this was set. You know yeah. what I mean? So maybe the whole movie right. is set. Maybe. Oh, right. sure, sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It's not the, I mean, we've already seen Captain America was in like the fucking forties. You know, so like, like for me, I didn't know. Like, nineteen eighty eight could have just been when the movie was going to be. I think that didn't help me either with saying, oh, okay, this is definitely a flashback. Yeah. No, I, I, I knew. I, I mean, that part I knew, but I didn't know like how long. I, I was kind of fifty fifty. I'll agree with Jr. in the sense that I didn't know the story enough to know. Um, how long we were going to be in 1988, to be honest, until he got, you know, scooped up by the ship. And then we yeah. were, we were on. Um, but yeah, I was, uh, I wouldn't say I was weeping, but I w- it was definitely unnerving. Like, Oh, okay. Cool. I think what, I don't know. <laughs> like it was, it was, it definitely kind of knocked me for a loop. Cause I, again, I knew going into that it was going to be a little more lighthearted after, mm-hmm. you know, very serious Tony movies and serious cat movies. And I'm like, Oh, this is gonna be funny. Oh, and she's dead. Yeah, and she was right. really creepy to me too. Yeah, like, that was a that was a nut kick. It was yeah. unsettling to like yeah. look at her. Looking uh, back, it it feels a little Stranger Things before Stranger Things too, with the whole mm, like kind of channeling Spielberg in a way and eighties yeah. nostalgia. Like I don't know, it um there's something to that. Like it, it seems like a deliberate homage. Or pastiche, as yeah. nerdy film people <laughs> might say. <laughs> so then we cut to 26 years later on uh, the planet Morags, and we get our first look right. at Quill, um, that being <laughs> Chris Pratt. Uh, the casting of Chris Pratt is interesting to me because uh, I know him as Andy Dwyer on Parks and Rec, and he was a fat slob. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> He's right. It's uh, <laughs> really no other way to say it. Even more jarring than like sobbing uh, at this poor lady's death is like hot ass Andy Dwyer like dancing on this planet. Uh, also very. Ride War is Jenny. I think that's where he's most famous. <laughs> so uh, what what do we think of Chris Pratt as Quill? I mean, I think it's great casting. I think he's uh, he's a really good blend of kind of. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's Andy Dwyer, right? He's kind of aloof, kind of dopey, um, but he's talented enough still to put things together and figure shit out. So he's kind of got this natural leadership quality that's never had to fully come out, and we'll see that play out throughout the movie. Um, but I think I think his natural charm and mm. wit make him a good fit for this character. Like, this is one of the ones, and maybe they're all like this at this point, I don't know, but one of the ones definitely where I would have a hard time seeing somebody else. Oh, yeah. In this role. Do you agree, Scott? Uh, I do. Uh, I mean, even not only as Andy Dwyer, but I remember him in Moneyball, too. Mm. Um, and I'm like, oh, this is different. Um, and as we would see, because I liked him in both uh, both Jurassic movies. But I thought this was a good pick because he has that heroic quality. Um while at the same time being a smart ass. Like he's he's almost like a parody of Han Solo without really being Han Solo, which is kind of what Quill is. Like a is. wannabe? Like a yeah, like a value. wannabe Han Solo, exactly. Great value. Impoverished Han Solo. Great, great value, yeah. Great value great Han value Solo. Han yeah. <laughs> but uh, I thought it was a good casting move. I didn't think – because, again, you wanted – you didn't want to go too, like, serious with the – 
with the casting because you've already got guys like Chris Evans and you don't want somebody too, too serious where forcing the forcing the the sense of humor to where it's awkward. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't going to do that. So I thought the casting was perfect. That was a good spot. Very natural. What do you think, Tim? Mm, uh, I don't know. Um, I'm not a big Chris Pratt guy. Uh, I couldn't really tell you why. He just... He feels like one Chris too many to me. <laughs> We've and, uh, had we we have too many Chris's. On we have too many Chris's, and and I'm generally uh, a big fan of the Chris's, the American Chris's. Mm. Well, they're not even the American royal Chris's. The the A list blockbuster Chris's. Mm. Um, but uh, something about him just I don't know. Um, I do think he's he he served this role is well served by him. Mm. I know that the comics Peter Quill is rather more serious than this depiction. Um, I don't really know shit about him beyond that, so can't really judge um, from that angle. So I, I think he does bring a lot to this role, and I like him in these movies. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll say that for him. There are a couple other people that I want to talk briefly about. Um, the rest of the uh, crew that who will meet along the way zoe zaldana dave bautista vin diesel and bradley cooper uh, and then lee pace michael rooker karen gillen john c Ryler, glenn coast close benicio del toro damn <laughs> i know <laughs> at the names can you i mean like we're still in awe at some of the names that we get on these movies now who uh who stands out in this list to you tim i really like karen gillen as nebula yeah, it, just because yep. she so took me by surprise. This, again, is a character that I have some probably more familiarity with, actually, than the other character, like the titular characters, actually. The brushular um, characters. Yes, thank you. Uh, but they do like this is a very different nebula than than we get in the comics. And I just. I had no opinion on Karen Gillan whatsoever going into this movie. And she really surprised me and just how well she sold that, that whole feuding sisters, her and her and Gamora. Um, I always want to call her Gamora. So I'm probably <laughs> going to do that. And I'm just going to warn you guys now uh, because I go back and forth on that so much. And I almost don't, is that a digital Gamera you have right there? <laughs> <laughs> I must want to just do it and not say anything, so just heads up there. But no, like, the two of them as, as sisters, like, that, I mean, there's so many emotional threads throughout this movie, but that's the one that I, mm. I think sort of packed the most punch for me. Um, I, I'm not a woman. I've never had a sister, so I... <laughs> I don't know exactly Men why. Men can have sisters too, but I know. Yeah, but it's um, not illegal now. Yeah. But um, yeah, that one that one really uh, kind of ran away with the movie for me. Just the two of them, and especially Nebula, just as a character, I I took to her a lot. What do you I'm think not gonna just... lie. It, yeah, it took me a while to think that was not Kerry Russell <laughs> Nebula. Uh, <laughs> It looks like her and sounds like her in that role, by the way. I just, yeah. I'm, like, I don't, I'm like, I don't think it's her. But she cuts off and got some makeup. Yeah, it, it kind of just, I don't know, just kind of looks like yeah. her a little bit in the face and, and sounds like I her. See it. 
Uh, obviously, the man that walks alone in the pit of danger, uh, David Batista, I thought. Mm. It was an interesting. I remember the buzz around him. Obviously, this is right around. He came back for the Rumble. Um, and they were like, you know, he's going to be in this uh, big movie and everything else. And uh, getting a lot of hype. And I remember, like, the reviews coming in. Like, holy shit. Like, who is it? Rest, Non-wrestling fans were like, who is this guy? He's great. And wrestling fans were like, oh, crap. Like, Batista was awesome. And this really was his breakout, right? I mean, he's kind of forged himself in a little career uh, in film, thanks to this. And he's great. I mean, he's the role he plays with, like, just taking everything super literally, but being able to do it with a funny side of it um, while looking like a fucking monster. It was, like, really – it was just – it was really good casting. I also would say the casting of John D'Amato was Groot. Uh, was, was a good one. John <laughs> D'Amato. <laughs> I saw that coming from a mile away. They got the, they got the same body, so I assume it's him. Oh my god! They are built exactly the same. I can't even see it. Like no, a tree. Yeah, just watch it now. Just watch it. And all you'll see is Dovato's fucking body when you look at Groot. <laughs> oh Groot! Hey. Uh, so yes, that was good casting too. Uh, and John T. Riley, he's, he's a delight in this movie. Yes, thank you. I was going to call attention to him too. Like it's a serious role for him. Yeah, like, yeah, he's good. It's not. Good. Yeah, he like p- plays a straight man basically, and you're waiting for that other shoe to drop. And I mean, there's funny stuff that happens around him, but he pretty much plays it straight. Yeah, no, he's just yeah, he's he's like so earnest and not you know <laughs> like so wholesome. Yeah. yeah. Scott, who stands out for you? Um. Obviously, uh, Big Dave, um, mm-hmm. because it's Big Dave. Um, I uh, I had no idea. When I first saw it, I, I kind of knew Zoe Saldana, because obviously she was in the Star Treks. Um, every time I look at her, though, I get confused. She reminds me of Jada Pinkett. So I always get I, – I, I, I got to take a double take to, to make sure that who was who. But I liked her. But I have to agree with Karen Gillan, obviously, like you, Jenny, being a, a Who fan. I knew her, and I love her as Amy Pond. So I loved her uh, because it was very, it was a 180 from from Amy Pond because she's a badass, whereas yes. uh, Doctor Who, she's a typical Doctor Companion. So this was really awesome. So I love Nebula. Uh, um, I gotta, I want to stand out because I like him in literally almost every movie he's in, and that's Michael Rooker. Um, he was a perfect pick for Yondu. I don't think anybody else could have. As a matter of fact, I feel like I feel like uh, Peter Gunn kind of molded that that Yondu for him. Uh, so that that casting I like a lot. Uh, they did a good job of kind of putting uh, you know um, established people around this crew, uh, and you know obviously Vin and Bradley kind of count kind of don't count but uh just knowing that their names are there you know beefs it up even more but overall i thought the casting was really great but i, I for me particularly obviously karen gillen and and michael rooker because i think he's a good kind of calming character actor presence um for everybody else uncredited in this josh brolin as um thanos uh which will become important later on in our journey. <laughs> yes. Is this the first time we actually see him uh, as him? Yes. In a speaking role, ready. yeah. Yeah. We, we got speaking. those cameo. We got that cameo in the uh, mid-credit scene in Avengers, but this first time he like 
does any. It's sort of like uh, it's sort of like the Emperor in Empire Strikes Back. Mm. Yeah, yeah. He's an Empire. He's yeah. He's some other dude. Mm-hmm. and something or other is the other Thanos. So, yeah, this is the first time that Josh Brolin's actually Thanos. Yeah, yeah. And the other one is just the credit. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was pretty big for this movie to have his debut. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. for me at this point, not even really knowing, like I said, heard of Thanos and knew he was a big deal. So for him to pop up in Guardians was interesting to me. Like, mm-hmm. you would expect him to have maybe shown up in, like, Thor, Iron Man or something. But, um, you know, tie- bringing him into the universe really kind of through this was... Uh, interesting take and really adds a layer of importance that you would not expect uh by the way according to wikipedia the original score for this movie was made by tyler bate so uh, i think this is pre-european uh nxt <laughs> yeah must be right? <laughs> yes nxt uk mm. yep all right, so I want to talk about the plot of this movie. <laughs> Should he just know self-satisfied? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just trying to get us through this for. Want to record at midnight? Is what you get. Um, uh, we uh. All so a quarter. <laughs> all a quarter. No, but I did read a fun fact that um, come and get your love in the opening scene or second scene, uh, was not the original idea. They had written that scene and performed it with uh, a hooked on a feeling in mind. <laughs> to go with kind of the seventies, mm. eighties folk. Mm. Um, but then he heard that and they went with that, which I think was a, a good choice. Cause it's hooked yeah. out a feeling. To so, kinda... so what you're saying is the quill two step goes with every song. Mm. It does. It's amazing. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> quill, right. Um, oh, yeah. so yeah, that, uh, that, that, yes. Anyway, I, I think it was a good switch. I hooked down a feeling is kind of tied elsewhere in movie history. So, mm. I thought it was good for them to have a different song, one that's not overplayed, one that you don't hear a lot, and one that would be immediately identifiable with this movie. Agreed. Me too. Great song. Um, yeah, we will talk music, definitely. Um, there's a lot here. and But, I mean, like, what our characters of Rocket and Groot, um, we meet them, and we are just like, what is happening? Like nobody, <laughs> nobody's seen a walking tree, you know, outside of <laughs> Lord of the Rings, and uh, uh, this yeah, little furry, like really homicidal happy. animal. Uh, but yeah. I really enjoyed them. Um, they're uh, solely CGI, but also somehow super real chemistry with each other. Um, and lots of great special effects in this movie, too, um, around those characters. But the plot is dense. <laughs> there, you get a lot of, like, background on, um, like, groups of characters that I've heard before from, um, like, the comic books, like, the Kree. And um, who are the other ones? The, um, the fucking Zandarian. Zan- Zan- uh, the Zandarians, the, yes. the Nova Corps. Yeah, so and the Nova Corps, like I've heard those terms, um, but I don't really, you know, know. So we're introduced to those, and also to the idea of the Infinity Stones, which yeah. we don't know that that's what they are at first. But um, Quill and the gang, um, are are they're gonna sell the orb that contains the Infinity Stone to a collector? Um, and also Thanos has put Nebula on the path for it as well. So it's basically like a, a <laughs> like a cosmic chase sequence. Really. Yes, I was about to say it's sort of a heist movie, kind of a chase, a glorified you know cosmic chase. Um, space romp. Space, space romp. romp. Yeah. 
space yes. romp. So um, bad, it's really bad, good, bad, bad world in space. They do a good job establishing a ton in that scene. Like we're there for a while, but not like so long. But they jam a lot in. Like mm-hmm. we meet Groot, we meet Rocket, meet John C. Raleigh. Batista's there. We escape from prison. We're fighting over the orb. Yep. Um, they come in first contact with uh, Gamera. Uh, so there's a lot. <laughs> A lot comes together, like on that one scene. I thought it's actually one of the best scenes we've seen uh, in these movies too. Like as far as an action-packed scene with a cool setting where a ton of shit happens, and they really set the stage for the rest of the movie in this one scene. Um, and yeah, I, I, and, and I didn't mention Rocket too much, but I thought Bradley Cooper obviously was a good choice. It doesn't sound like him. He does a good job throwing his voice, mm-hmm. uh, but he's really good at that just kind of dry, sarcastic, you know, um, delivery. So he was a good good fit for that well they're they're uh, quite a gaggle of morons here like you would never Mm. put try to put this team together right Right. um but they all yeah um i love the prison sequences like when they break out of prison is some of my all-time favorite scenes in the mcu and uh and and they they all just do have this real like natural chemistry with the Quill being an unlikely leader <laughs> of them. Um, he actually reminds me a lot of um, Vince Vaughn and Dodgeball, right? Like he's got like, these leadership qualities, but he's kind of a slack-ass goon. Yeah, kind of but mm-hmm. he's got this natural chemistry that draws people to him as a leader. Right. Yeah. And that's how they presented Charisma. him in Dodgeball. Yeah. Um, they're like, you know, some for some reason, right, I think Ben Stiller, whoever even says, like for some reason these fucking people look up to you, and <laughs> like it's kind of the same here. It's like they're drawn to Quill as this natural leader. Um, even though he's kind of a fuck off and you don't, it doesn't screen that off, off the top, but there were some like parallels there for me too, with this like ragtag, you know, obviously a much different story, but kind of a similar thread, right? Got to save, save his gym from global gym. And he brings together these ragtag guys to win a championship. So, uh, there were a lot of parallels to those two movies for me. Wow. Never would have seen that comparison. Coming. All right. Hmm. Just shut it down. We're not top. I'll have to no, watch like them it. back to back. Yeah. <laughs> Or at the same time. To, or yeah, simultaneously. Yeah, about that. And if you and, do that, Tim, mm-hmm. you'll realize that Thanos is not the biggest asshole in the two yeah. movies. It's actually Lance Armstrong. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He's a fucking prick. Yeah. In real life, too. I can believe you. No, that was the joke. So. Oh. <laughs> Wait. He, he plays himself and he's an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> what are we so, doing? So basically all of our characters, um, they're kind of brought together with this hatred of Thanos and also they want to get rich <laughs> off of selling this orb. So not not like super great motives. It's right on down into Globo Jim having purple as a color <laughs> and Elsa Ronan being heavily in purple. Oh so, wow. These parallel these things are just lining up. Mm. Oh, if only we had a dodgeball sequence in this movie. Oh, shit. Kind of do. The orb's kind of like a dodgeball. The orb, yeah. Wow. Okay. And they kind of throw it, not really at each other, but. <laughs> Was there a dance-off dodgeball? Um, I mean, the dodgeball scenes are kind of like. Yeah, a... they're sort of like a dance, just dodging the ball in and of itself. Mm. There's also a pirate dodgeball. <laughs> Is there a raccoon saying, this one's our booty to the whole prison? <laughs> I, I like wait, rac, uh, Rocket to the to the pirate. See the pirate. <laughs> Jesus. Hmm. 
You know what's funny about this movie is is kind of funny and lighthearted as it is. It might have like the highest on screen body count. Of it's anything pretty, yeah, it's pretty. We've rough. seen today. I mean, Yondu alone with with his uh, mm-hmm. whistling arrow gimmick, which is so awesome. Oh, I love yes, that is. thing. Oh, uh, I mean, we've yeah. got to talk about that. Do you but, think, Tim? Do you because th- I think you're onto something? But do you think it's because in space it doesn't seem as real? Like, like tying it back to Star Wars, like I mentioned, like with the, like I'm more yeah. inclined to show my son Star Wars at age five or six than like some other movies because the, mm-hmm. the death doesn't seem real in in some ways with the laser guns and all this other shit. It, so like, is that of, part of yeah, it? Right? It's, yeah. it's less real than like on Earth you'd be mowing guys down with a fucking machine gun or something where it's you know it feels more realistic and grisly. There's a lot of layers of separation, right? Where a big space spectacle sprawling you know, lends itself to like these big faceless armies and they're not even human necessarily. So you like, it it feels less visceral, you know, seeing just these bodies pile up basically than if they're, you know, getting gunned down in a super grounded, realistic way, like you're saying. Um, Yeah. I I believe that that kind of does allow that gives them some latitude, lets them get away with some things that maybe they otherwise wouldn't. The yeah, I never really thought about me, that way. Yeah, doesn't bother me. No, it, it, it maybe it should. <laughs> maybe Probably. we stumbled on something here, but uh, but no, it is like other quote unquote space movies in that respect. I think it's it's not like it's any more violent than you know something like Star Wars or gosh, you know this com- gets compared to um, you know Flash Gordon, which I don't. You don't think of that as being a brutal, violent movie by any means, but <laughs> it is a little bit more flippant, and you know, you, you just kill bad guys. Mm. Doesn't matter. It's not a big morality play. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen it compared to Dodgeball. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so the all, of our, <laughs> all of our characters. I mean, I watched this after I watched Punisher <laughs> season one and two, so so the body count didn't really affect me too much. You were just so desensitized to it. Yeah. None of this movie is nearly as bad as Bill no. Russo getting dragged across the fucking course uh, <laughs> the fucking sure. merry-go-round. Um, okay, so one of the um, bad guys in this movie is um, Lee Pace mm. um, as Ronan the Accuser. Scott, what are your thoughts of Ronan sorry, the Accuser God. in this movie? <laughs> you know where I stand. Go ahead. Yeah. Um... I actually loved – I love this character. He's one of my favorite, like, unheralded bad guys in the comics. Mm. Um, is he? Yeah, I like Ronan the Accuser. I think he is horribly underutilized in this movie, horribly underutilized. Um, he's pretty much – like, I think he's – in the books, I always thought he was a pretty grand, uh, immoral or moral in his eyes villain. Here, he's pretty much Thanos' bitch. And I, I, it, that kind of bugged me. I, I liked, I like him as a character and he's nothing but a messenger boy. And that, that kind of bothers me. Um, I was hoping for a little more, uh, out of him than just the guy picking up the, doing an errand, running an errand for the boss. So well, I was I mean, bummed by that, but he's more of like a religious zealot. Um, yes, I agree. Absolutely. He, no, that he, part I agree with. Yeah. But I just I, I wish it was I wish I wish I didn't know until the end of the movie that he was 
Thanos's mess errand boy. Mm-hmm. I, I had I, knowing that already, I'm like, oh, that's all he is in this. Like, I don't know. I liked him in the books better, but Lee Pace did a great job, and I liked him in it. And I have a feeling we're going to see him again later on down the line, mm-hmm. um, which is awesome. Uh, but, yeah, I love the character, and I love the character in the books. Um, but I thought the character was underutilized in this one. I was expecting a, a – I would it would have been good if he was the sole bad guy and he wasn't just the middleman. Mm-hmm. That kind of that kind of took it away from me. Do you agree, Justin? I mean, I didn't know much about him. I think the name is stupid. It makes him sound like a pussy, honestly. Like the accuser. <laughs> you, know, you could, you could draft the, the destroyer, hey, Star he, Lord, and the, the public accuser in in his first comics appearance. Does that make him sound any more um, menacing? No. Than the public. <laughs> he sounds like a rat. Like, oh, here's the accuser. I accuse you of stealing. That's <laughs> literally what he did too. Oh, he would go around and publicly accuse people. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like on Twitter. And then, you know, obviously we're not going to go ahead, but the multiple Ronin thing has thrown me off for a loop. So I don't, whatever. Um, yeah, he just, <laughs> he seemed like the weak initial bad before the big bad is going to come in later. So it seems like a very much like Loki and Avengers one is like, you know, mm. Loki's good, but he's like a low level heel. Right. I mean, so this is, you know. The debuting guy getting in there with Dolph Ziggler is what Ronan felt like to me. <laughs> <Just kinda laughs> he, he can work, he can work, but he's not gonna, he's not gonna excite you too much. He's probably not gonna win, you know. Not gonna move the needle. Yeah, so, yeah. Finish was pretty obvious. Tim, you weren't scared of Ronan the Accuser. Uh, you know, Ronan the Public Accuser is kind of <laughs> the, uh, he's he's like the poster child for the MCU has a villain problem, like that whole argument, which. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there there is something to that. I think a little a little too much is made of it. But he and um, you know Malekith from Thor, yeah. the shit planet, the are kind of they're kind of the big two that that people point to when they say, well, the MCU they get the heroes right, they do these really and compelling the Hornet pictures. guy, uh, what's his face? Who we haven't uh, gotten to? Uh, yeah, we haven't gotten to yet. Yellow jacket. Yellow jacket. Um. Yep, stay tuned, folks. Um, and even Obadiah, the first Iron Man. I mean, again, it just it feels sure, like the sure. first level bad guy before they're really gonna beef up and enhance the stories. It's just like the in- intro level guy. Yeah, I mean, at this point, they've you know they've got Loki, which he did get over pretty strong. Not that like he's gonna be a major, major big bad going forward, but as a character, people were pretty pleased with him. Um, but other than that, I mean, I mean, I liked Red Skull. Mm. I don't know that a lot of other people did. <laughs> I liked uh, Pierce. Red Skull's just a dude looking for a job. He's not a bad guy. Yeah, he's just, he, you know, he's in the unemployment line. What are you going to do? Um, but no, I mean, Ronan is, is kind of typical of, of that criticism of these movies. But at the same time, I look at, Guardians of the Galaxy as a film, and I just see, like, this has a lot that it has to accomplish. And mm-hmm. you mentioned, Jenny, it is such a dense movie. We not only get the introduction, the first proper introduction, really, to Thanos, um, which that's a big, big deal that mm-hmm. maybe didn't feel like it at the time. But looking back, you go, oh, shit, like that really, you know, you draw that through line. You got to go back to this movie. What do you want to track 
the progression of Thanos as a character. Mm-hmm. So you got to get him over, or at least establish him, right? Um, number two, the the entire mythology of the Infinity Stones. Um, that is massive. You know, this is the first time they're even named that mm-hmm. all of a sudden, yes, we've seen them in other movies, but we don't really know what they are. And this like lays all of that out. And, you know, you've got this ensemble cast to establish this new team of heroes. So sure. The villain kind of takes a backseat to that. He is mm-hmm. Ronan here in this movie is ultimately a means to an end. And that is unfortunate. Yep. It, it does do a disservice to the character as he exists, but in a way it's, it's kind of unavoidable. I feel like, um, but I, I can totally understand. Like if you really enjoy that character, um, this would be a problem. Certainly me personally, I don't have a lot of attachment to Ronan, the character so I was, you know, sort of whatever about it. But um, yeah, I can see where, if you're like, hey, this is a named comics character uh, who has a lot of potential, who they could have done so much more with, and he's just sort of shunted off to the side. Um, sure, I, I will say he he, you know, he gets over on Thanos's uh, you know viceroy dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was, was kind of fun seeing him blow that dude away. Um, and he goes into business for himself. It's it's not that he's entirely doing. Thanos is bidding like he he sort of gets a taste of it and decides oh maybe um maybe Thanos can go pound sand right <laughs> and that doesn't mm. work out so well for him of course no um Justin I'm curious were you um confused at all about the Infinity Stones or did you feel like you understood it from the explanation yeah no I think I got it I, I don't I mean I don't have I watched it a while ago so I don't have any notes that I was confused so mm-hmm. usually I'll mark stuff down and I'm confused about I think I I got the gist of it that they like I think I knew enough from just hearing shit about Thanos and the snap mm-hmm. and all this stuff that like I figured there's a bunch of stones that may give you a lot of power right <laughs> they all have like different there you go. pieces to it so I think I get the basis of it um so after that prison sequence is where they go drinking right Jenny that's the <laughs> um, yeah I've been over here because I thought Batista was awesome in the scene tracks when he uh, got drunk getting yeah. drunk yeah. And, uh, I, I thought Rocket was great. You know, it yes. kind of gives you some info in his headspace about, you know, kind of being hated. And, uh, you know, you could tell how he feels about himself and how he projects mm-hmm. out onto everyone else with the way he's talking in that scene. Yeah. Yeah, they uh, lay that all out there. It's it's not mm-hmm. one of those, oh, leave it to the imagination. Like, they, they really kind of go there with uh, this, <laughs> you know, anthropomorphic... Uh, <laughs> raccoon which you're like sort of predisposed to think this is not a serious character that i'm gonna get invested in yeah sort of a sight gag but um no they uh they kind of go there with them lots of layers to this movie like and that's why i think it's so surprising and why everybody loves it so much because it is like very emotional like drax's character is like that's horrific you know, yeah. What happened to his his, yeah, and then mm-hmm. like that's deeply like painful shit, and he's all he wants is revenge, right? And all of them have, you know, like horrible past. Rocket, Gamora, and Peter, and everybody. So, like, 
all of their damages. He just, he just lived on Long Island. Yes. And then, and <laughs> all their damages makes for like a bunch of layers in this movie. And then you get like pretty great comedy and then pretty great special effects, action sequences and, and music. Um, I just think that James Gunn mm-hmm. like hit on some kind of crazy ass formula in this movie. Which is surprising to me because we talk about these movies that when they feel like they have a strong directorial influence, I don't know what else to call it, um, like they're kind of less willing to play ball, I feel like, with all the world building and mythology of the MCU bullshit type stuff, you know, like they kind of just want to do their own thing, which is completely understandable. But um, James Gunn, like, he really shows up here. He's like, yeah, this could be my own movie, but you want me to do this whole Infinity Stones backstory thing? Cool. I'll throw it in there. Thanos, yeah, bring him on. <laughs> I'll bury just, him in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I'll kind of bury him, but he'll be in here. Um, but yeah, just the, the willingness of James Gunn to play. I mean, not that he can really throw his weight around, but... He certainly not only puts his stamp on this movie, but it feels like just a kind of direct continuation of all the stuff we've seen before in MCU by other directors and setting the stage for what's going to come next. Like it really slots in there. It it doesn't feel out of place, even though it, it has its own sort of signature style. And that's impressive because those are really competing interests. Some of the other little stuff in there, too, is good. Like, Rocket understanding Groot completely. Um, yes. What he's saying is, like, really funny. Uh, with Groot just saying, like, one word. I like that. I also enjoyed It's Not a Purse. It's a Knapsack. That was a good line, too. <laughs> um. All right. So. Now, hang on. One Wait. thing that I just thought. If anything confused me, or should have confused anyone in this movie, about the whole here's what the Infinity Stones are, here's where mm-hmm. they came from. It would probably be <laughs> Benicia Del Toro's accent as <laughs> Tenelier Tivon, the Collector, mm. trying to explain centuries ago there was a thick concentrated... <laughs> <laughs> is that Stu Hart? Or is that... Stu Hart, all of a sudden. <laughs> he really did. <laughs> yeah, my son Owen had the uh, Infinity Stones. <laughs> He really sounds Thanos sounds like him. a Thanos killed him. Sounds like a, a float, a little bit of a floatier, not as not as guttural, not as gritty of a stu. Stu hard on benzos, perhaps. Um, <laughs> maybe hitting the quaaludes. I don't know. In hindsight, probably not. Yeah, the yeah, quaalude. Yeah, stretch it. It'd be quaalude. Yeah, in the, in the ring. Yeah. So we go. <laughs> oh, okay. I did like that scene, though, where his assistant, you know, has had enough and then she wants to try to mm. save everybody, but ends up, you know, killing herself. Like, <laughs> yeah, of, fucks up. Yeah. That's when we get the, like, a big oh shit moment. Because at this point, I don't think that Quill and everybody knew what they had. No, right? definitely not. Yeah. Um, so then it's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> we've been toting this fucking, we've been playing dodgeball with this fucking orb. Yeah, with like a nuke, basically. With, yeah, with a nuke in it. That's great. Um, a lot of fun cameos, too, in that scene for mm-hmm. comics nerds. Yeah, yeah. It's just a fun scene all around. 
the Footloose stuff is good too because that pays off with the line uh, in a minute from Gamora, but the Footloose legend or whatever the fuck he talks about, Peter. Kevin Bacon. Yes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh right. Yes. Because then when they're coming in later, um, well yeah. So Peter does the big fire up speech, which is great, and then mm-hmm. I love Drax fucking laughing maniacally as they fly into the <laughs> ship, like ready to fuck <laughs> shit up. And that's when Gamora says, "We're just like Kevin Bacon." Um, so that was like a good sequence they're really good at piling on the absurd jokes in this movie and mm-hmm. both of these movies so it's like it, it's normal 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 and then all of a sudden like four things happen at once that are like completely absurd like that like drax is dying laughing is a good more mix to kind of joke i did want to talk about some of the daddy issues in this movie of course oh you do i can't yeah. believe it so you have Gamora and um, Nebula, who are. Oh, by the way, I can never remember Nebula's name. I have her in my notes, like this is all different shit. Like one blue robot chick is how I have. <laughs> I can never remember her fucking name, no matter what. I can't say Gamora, and you can't remember Nebula. Yeah. What and it's Carrie Russell. It's like I'm thinking. Gamora, Gamora. So they're not. Um, they're not real sisters. They're just Thanos's like. Stolen, yeah. <laughs> Foster children, kidnapped children, and, and blue robot chicks. Um, mm. but they were kind of raised together, so they see each other as sisters, even though they have a, a strange relationship. Um, and of course, mm. there's you know lots of Thanos daddy issues there, and then Quill and um mm-hmm. Yondu. Yondu. Um, very strange relationship there. Um, but also. Um, layered as well. Like you can tell that Yondu really does care about Quill, um, even though he is quite a dick to him for most of the movie. I'm guessing uh, Ronan, the accuser, had daddy issues too because oh. of his stupid pussy name. He probably accuses dad of beating up his mom. <laughs> it's pussy name. <laughs> I mean, we knew they weren't that. I we knew that the Quill daddy thing was not going to get solved here. Right. right. So right. so the the you know, Yandu kind of alludes to it at the end when he mentions the contract, but um, we knew there was more to Quill than met the eye. We, I mean, even before they, I mean, we, I, I guess we had known that they were going to do a second movie of them because you weren't going to have enough time to really peel the layers off of these characters in this movie. So, um, and obviously, uh, as we saw in the opening scene that that uh, broke Jenny. Um, the, uh, that, uh, obviously Peter's story was going to be incomplete to begin with. We would focus on the him and Yandu relationship, um, before kind of Yandu says something at the end about the father's deal. And then we get, you know, we'll get more into that down the line. But, um, what I like about these characters on top of the fact that they're, you know, all very funny is that they all are kind of fucked up. I mean, they're like they're they're definitely a bunch of misfits, mm-hmm. which which fits which is which again is mm. great for this mm. movie because we don't have a movie of misfits, and um, that's why I think this movie was perfect where it was uh you know um announced and where it was fitting in the timeline because we all needed kind of this group of fucked up knuckleheads um that we all would love in the end. Um, but it's almost like Yandu's like stuck with Peter, not wanting like to really have to take care of him, but he got kind of sunk. So he might as well use him. 
that kind of thing. And we'll mm. see more about that relationship in the down the line. Right. Um, but about Gamora and and uh, I almost forgot Nebula. Look <laughs> at Jr. You're taking out of all of our my, all of our fucking heads. Um, Gamora and Nebula. It is a very unique relationship. Um, the fact that Thanos has no kids of his own. <laughs> he just like picks kids off in places, which is kind of fucked up. Um, it was just really fun. Like they were all hurting. They, there was all some sort of pain in mm. some way. So even though the the tone of the movie was very different than what we've had so far, we still have characters with a lot of depth that are hurting. And we see, you know, that'll open up more in the next movie. But the fact that we know it's there kind of makes us want to kind of jump on their bandwagon. So that was good. I thought that was a good job by by uh, James Gunn to really give us those kinds of characters where we can laugh every once in a while, but realize that they're all really fucked up in their own alien way. Right. You know, Ronan the Asuza. <laughs> <laughs> so we get to the public Asuza kind of the. <laughs> climax of the film in our third act when we're um going to the planet because they're the nova cores are cores mm-hmm. are trying to um defend their planet at Xandar. Xandar, right? yeah. yeah um with really cool sequence where all the um ships like their little whatever they call them i call them ufos but anyway the oh. little little ships they kind of um, kind of link together to form like a chain around the ship, and I thought that was a really awesome moment. <laughs> yes, I agree. That the was visual, really cool. Sure. Yeah, them standing together, protect the planet. Um, one of the Nebula, I went to mention too. She's like way extra, like like every like oh, yeah. very angry, <laughs> very like uh. Well, she's been brainwashed too. Super and extra. Everything. Abused. Everything is over the top. Very extra. Yeah, she she has she, she's in a dark place. Like mm-hmm. she's she's real fucked up. Well, you would too if you were a Russian spy in America yeah. for all those years. Yeah, it's rough. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really like the ending of this movie. Um, mm-hmm. I really like all the fight sequences. Um, I like it when they get to Earth. Finally, Ronan finally makes it to, not Earth but land, and um. He finally gets down, and then Quill just totally diffuses the whole, like, tension of the moment by challenging him to a dance-off <laughs> in order to distract him. Uh, yes, which works. It works. It's such a cute moment and perfect, I That's think. why he's a shitty heel, though, Ronan. Dis- fell for the distraction finish. He did. <laughs> he did. It the, was uh, great. It's a very complex. Played his music and got rolled up for the. Yeah, yeah. For the right. two, three. It's a very complex ending. Um, because you got Groot destroying the army and doing the big smile, and then Groot dies. <laughs> like, yeah. like that was like this. I mean, you talked about the first scene ruining Jenny, but this scene was like real rough. It was uh, when Groot does the big root um complex for them to to go flying into the planet with. And um, you know, I was I knew he was like in the other ones, so I didn't I didn't know much about like Baby Groot and that shit. So mm-hmm. I was trying to figure out like how he's gonna survive this and what happens. Um, but to go from Groot standing tall to Groot dying to then Quill singing and dancing was like it was quite the um 
roller coaster of emotion. Definitely. Those few scenes. <laughs> yeah, that that Groot scene wrecks me too. Because um, it's so like intimate and like yeah. beautiful and touching. Like, like what the fuck? We're just in a fight. <laughs> Why am I crying? The hell, you're a tree. Eliciting <laughs> all of this emotion. Sometimes I I think that roller coaster is a little jarring and like mm. too discombobulating when it when it's not done well in these movies like mm. it they don't always strike that balance too great between the humor and the comedy mm. um but here it, it really walked that tightrope where it didn't you know take me out of the movie it just it really made me go from oh fuck that just happened to oh my god the absurdity of this like what is this movie right now and uh <laughs> It, it, I think, achieved what it was going for. Absolutely. Uh, Scott, what did you think about the hero moment from Groot? Oh, it was amazing. You knew one of them was going to was gonna do it. You just weren't sure which one. And Groot's the best one because you could just regrow him. So that was <laughs> it was a safe it was a safe hero moment death. because you knew you'd have to suffer with the death for, you know, a few years. Well, not a few years, really. A few minutes. Until they put him, you know, his little piece in the pot and and, and grow him. Wouldn't that be great for all of us? I, I guess I just didn't see that as like an actual option, but. I know, right? <laughs> now, is that considered like a new Groot or is it like Groot being reborn or is it Groot, son of Groot? Um, like, how That's does that question. work? question, yeah. That is a yeah. great question. I um, think that, I'm guessing um, it's rebirth of Groot because they don't call him anything else unless they're all Groots. Is that Groot Jr.? Is there is there is, is there race just all Groot? Do they all have the same name? I guess I so. I think James Gunn did actually say it was like a just a Twitter thing, so take that for what it's worth. But mm-hmm. I think he said at some point that Baby Groot does not like he did not retain the memories of oh. adult. Oh, that's true. So like he's still the same like personality wise. He's like gonna be the same character essentially once he grows okay. up, I guess. But he he doesn't have the same. He doesn't have the memories and you know, uh, I guess experiences as old. I wonder how old old Groot was, right? Probably very old. Yeah. And how many often. times has he spot respawned like this? Yeah, yeah. I know. Oh. Mm. But a good moment though. Yeah, I love it. Um, all right. And then so the end is uh, they use the power of the Infinity Stone and love of each other, I guess, to <laughs> very Care Bears ending. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> power that's, of that's friendship. Awesome. Their, their love. Well, like, it's, it's well done, really too, fun. because on the surface, it seems like that is what does it. But then you eventually will realize that it's because yes. Peter's not human that right. he was able to do what he did. Yeah, I I like that a lot. I I like that they didn't do the cheesy, oh, power of love. Like, come on. It's Mm -hmm. a, you know, ancient object of immense power. It's going to blow all of them up. (laughs) It doesn't matter. (laughs) But they're like, oh, no, he's actually sort of half half human, half God. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, this would work. And they left enough because because Ronan was such a pussy. Um, And they wipe him out. But it leaves enough. For, for another movie like oh you could, that was clearly oh, just sure. like the first level that they were going to deal with yeah. all this. The um, first fight. 
yeah, so that that was good too. I mean, and everything at the end with Yondu where Quill tricks him and gives him the empty thing or whatever. That that was good because Yondu just kind of laughs it off and appreciates the, yeah. you know, he's, he's not like I'm gonna go kill that motherfucker right away, you know. Yeah. Respect. He's actually kind of proud of him, I think. Yeah, I think so too. He's like, yeah, all right, this, this is my kid right here. Um, and then you get Howard the Duck in there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Of yeah. course. Love Howard the Duck. Wow. All right, so um, let's talk the soundtrack. Uh, it's I remember being completely obsessed with it. It was on repeat. Um, I think I bought the CD or something ridiculous like that. <laughs> I mean, who buys CDs anymore? But um, yeah, I like perfectly wonderful uh, accompaniment to this movie, and well, I think actually. <laughs> Yeah, basically it is. Um, how'd you feel about that? <laughs> well, it was great. I mean, obviously, I, it's an amazing soundtrack. Both movies um, have an amazing soundtrack. Uh, and they do reveal at the end that, you know, he always carries around that tape mm-hmm. that his mom had made him or whatever. And that's all the music. Mm-hmm. And because he grew up in the 70s and early 80s, that's where all the songs are from. Um, no, I, I, yes, it's an amazing. For You wouldn't expect a comics movie to have, like, all these 70s and 80s, you know, kind of folk songs. So there was... Um, a really nice way to differentiate this from other movies and uh, bring a lot of old classic songs to the forefront for a new generation. What do you think, Scott? Oh, the soundtrack's amazing. Second time, second awesome movie that Ooh Chow by the Five Stair Steps was used, because if you remember, <laughs> it was also in uh, Pulp Fiction. Um, and the, a song that JR mentioned earlier that I used to love listening to whatever station was on was redbone uh come and get your love because that's that's one of those songs you love and you don't hear a ton of and it kind of gets lost in history with the other great like mid-card 70s hits but i'm so glad that this movie brought that song back because it's it really is one of my favorites and the use of uh the jackson five at the end where baby groot's dancing and he doesn't want drax to see him is so fucking good (laughs) it's so fucking good um but I like that there's some, like, random stuff that doesn't quite fit. Like, you have all these late 60s, early 70s, you know, kind of sugary pop stuff. And then you've got Cherry Bomb by the Runaways just kind of hidden in there, which is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. It's a totally different song than anything else on the soundtrack. But, uh, yeah. And then obviously 10cc. It's just everything great about this. About this, uh. And the fact that there was so many other great songs that that they didn't use that thankfully we would get a sequel and a second soundtrack because mm-hmm. um, it's just so good. But yeah, no, this, 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 this reminds me a lot of, um, the, as I mentioned it, the Pulp Fiction soundtrack, cause it's, it's almost like that movie, which came out of nowhere, the music helped carry that. And I think continuing what I've been saying about the levity of the movie that not the first nine had the music helped. Cause yeah, you get your kind of random, song in and out in the first nine but not really i mean other than uh black sabbath right whatever one the second tony i think it was um other than that there's really no like popular music in any of the first nine movies but this soundtrack is literally full of it and kind of sets the tone for them so it's amazing it's just an amazing mix of songs and uh arguably probably a top five movie soundtrack of all time it was the think, second most popular of 2014 wow and you guess well, it's number one 
God. It was a pretty big one. A Disney movie. Let it's it frozen. frozen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like this soundtrack because I think it, it helps tie us back to uh, Peter's origin on Earth mm-hmm. and his mom. So, and... It, it it gives it. I think it really elevates it. And gives it a yet another layer uh, in this, and kind of really showcases James Gunn's brilliance because I think he just totally nailed every aspect of this movie. What do you think about the soundtrack, Tim? Yeah, they're great songs for any occasion, really. But um, it occurs to me that you know there's this trend, and I feel like Netflix shows do it a lot where you'll have this action scene and all of a sudden like they do this slow-mo thing and some kind of out of nowhere popular well-known song starts playing and it doesn't really have anything to do with the scene like no relation to it at all it's just it feels like a thing that you do now Mm. (laughs) i want to say like suicide squad did this not that that's a netflix thing but it's just one of those action movie bullshit gimmicks now that it like always takes me out of it unless there's a really good reason for it to be there or it serves the scene in some way other than just hey isn't this ironic we're listening to a cool song and seeing this cool action scene these things these two things don't go together haha like Mm -hmm. they don't do that at all in this movie it is actually it it serves like there's a an in universe reason why mm-hmm. this is our soundtrack. It's uh, right. what's the term for it? Um, it's uh, what diegetic music, where it's the characters are hearing the soundtrack just as we, the audience, are right, mm. um, or potentially could be. Like all of this has a reason for being there, and that goes a long way with me when it comes to like music and and film that's a great point i never really thought about that but yeah peter listens to all these songs like throughout the movie yep yep we're hearing them as he hears them right that's awesome um all right any other points before we wrap it up any other thing we didn't touch on um fine movie i think this proved a lot of people wrong this movie Mm -hmm. like it's, I remember, like, the whole, Justin, you mentioned the uh, Dave Batista thing where he did his comeback in wrestling. And I remember wrestling fans were kind of dunking on him because he was going to be in this Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And they're going, mm-hmm. oh, haha, this is going to be first real bomb by Marvel. Nobody's heard of these characters. The movie looks so stupid. He's going to crash and burn and suck and have to come crawling back to wrestling. <laughs> and, like, they look so stupid. Like after yeah. This movie was released, you know, that summer because Batista disappears, right? Um, at some point in twenty, when did he go away? He's there like, through was, payback in May. Um, yeah, yeah. So he's he's gone after May, and everybody's like, oh, he'll be back, and it's like, uh, no, he just like totally conquered Hollywood because this movie <laughs> was a massive, massive hit. Yeah, I mean, and good it just on him a lot of people over. Yeah, and good on him to cross over. I mean, he's. Uh, he's an awesome dude. He's a great wrestler and a, and a great dude. Um, so any success that he was able to get from this is like so well deserved. Yeah, I would yep, agree. I agree. 
and the movie's success was well deserved. It mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. surprised. I mean, I thought it would do well. I didn't think it'd do this well. <laughs> I mean, God, I'm trying to find the the box office gross. It's pretty um, insane for a movie like this. Uh, I got it right in front of me. It made seven seventy two point eight. Good lord. On a budget of well, gross two thirty two, net one ninety six. Yeah. So, so two hours and two minutes. Not a ridiculously long movie either. More than tripled one. its budget. Yeah. That's crazy. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that's uh, just domestic, right? I mean this Uh yeah, yeah. I mean it was over a billion probably internationally. Yeah, I would think so. Oof. Yep. Mm. All right, so, so MCU well, can do no wrong. It feels like. Oh, no, we're we're flying high. I think. Um, not going to be a lot of duds going forward uh, for me uh-uh. <laughs> on this journey. So, um, favorite character that's not the main hero, Tim. In this movie, uh, I'm going to say Drax. Actually. If we're counting Quill as our main hero. Yeah, we're counting Quill. Okay. Scott? Nebula. Justin? Rocket. <laughs> Interesting. What about you, Jenny? Um, I think I'm going Rocket. Yeah. Um, okay. Least favorite? That's a hard one, I think, on this one. Well, yeah, Ronan. Ronan. Yeah, Ronan. Ronan. It's going to be everybody's answer. Yeah, I don't want it to be, but it's because I like him so much. But like I said earlier, he was just used so badly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Favorite scene, Scott? Um, Moment, scene, whatever. Definitely Groot. Mm. Sacrificing himself. Yeah, and I think the 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 um, Groot dancing in the the post credit with Groot yeah. dancing to the Jackson Five Groot, without yeah. letting Drax look, and and probably I I I knew that I know we mentioned Howard the Duck as a gag, but was that rumored that that was going to happen? Because I remember being in the theater when they're looking through and they show, first of all, they show the lesser known um, Cosmo the space dog. Mm-hmm. Which I vaguely remember in the comics. Like, oh, I remember that. And then, oh, fuck, Howard the Duck. Which was actually a pretty good book. Shitty movie. But a pretty good book, actually. Oh, yeah. That's a cult the book was really theater. good. The movie was fucking hot trash. But, uh, yeah. I think I think for everybody, at least for me, it, I, I think it has to be Groot uh, sacrificing himself. That was pretty tear Tim? Uh... Say Groot sacrificing. I'm gonna say Yondu massacring everybody. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was good. Well, this go Justin. Yeah, it's Groot. Is it? Uh, I'm gonna go with the prison break. Yeah, that's good too. That's that's I really that like too. that. That is. Yeah, it is. I really like the the leg gag too. I need yeah. that guy's leg. <laughs> um. Fuck. <laughs> what is our other award? Uh, write them down. No. Um, 
I'm pretty sure those are the only ones we ever it. do, and even if they're in the grade and the range. And then overall, okay. And the grade. Um, so I'm gonna go a nine out of ten. Oof. Wow. Tim. Uh, I'm gonna go. This is gonna sound stupid, but uh, I'm gonna go eight and a quarter out mm-hmm. of ten. Eight point two five. Precise. Very Scott. precise. I'm going to be precise as well. Uh, 7.75. Seven and three quarters. Ooh, okay. 7.75. All right. Justin, am I the high one on this one? Uh, you are, but you're tied with me um, oh, because okay. I went with a nine as well. I thought it was a great movie. Uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I didn't think there were many holes in it. And this would be pretty much my second best movie right now because I gave a 10 to, I guess we can do our ranking. We're going to do that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go sure. All right, uh, so I gave a 10. Oh, I just fucked all that up. Hang on. <laughs> all right, I did a 10 to... How did that happen? Oh, shut up. I did a 10 for Winter Soldier. That was my favorite. And then nines for this and Avengers, but I would have this above Avengers if I had to rank the two. Uh, then I had Iron Man 3, Iron Man 2, uh, Thor and Iron Man 1 tied. Then... Uh, <laughs> Thor, do to shit, fuckface. <laughs> I'm sorry, no, Captain America. Then yeah. Thor, do to shit, fuckface. Then Stupid Hulk. Stupid Hulk. Wow. By the way, that nine now brings my average grade up to an eight. Tim, what's your list look like? Wow. So, um, I will say the reason I gave this the odd grade of 8.25 is, although I do really like this movie a lot, the things I remember like loving about Guardians of the Galaxy, I kept realizing were like from the sequel. <laughs> so, <laughs> not to get ahead of ourselves, but um, <laughs> that'll be like a higher rating, I guess. So, um, I have as my top film The Avengers, which I rated at ten. Mm. Then I had just behind that by not too much nine and a quarter. That is Iron Man. One, the original Iron Man. Uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, our last installment at a nine. Then we're going to go Captain America, the first Avenger. That's my cap love there at eight and three quarters. Uh, so that puts us at Guardians of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. 8.25, which we just reviewed. Somewhat surprising to me, I guess, that. I don't know. It's kind of as high as it is right now. Uh, Then we've got Iron Man 2 at a 7. Iron Man 3 at a a 6.5. Thor, due to shit planet, 6.25. Credible Hulk pulling up the rear at a 4 for me. Mm. All right, Scott. Uh I, at the top, I have uh, Winter Soldier at nine and three quarters. Then I have the first Iron Man at eight and a quarter. Iron Man two at eight. Uh, with Guardians at seven and three quarters, that's now tied with First Avenger, seven and three quarters. The First Avengers at seven and a half. Thor at seven and a half. Uh, Iron Man three at seven. The Incredible Hulk five and a half. And Thor the Dark Turd at four. <laughs> Dark turd. Uh, <laughs> I have number one, 
as the Winter Soldier. Number two, Guardians. Number three, Iron Man 3. Number four, Avengers. Number five, Iron Man. Number six, Captain America, the first Avenger. Number seven, Thor. Number eight, Iron Man 2. Iron Man 2, yes. Number mm-hmm. nine, Thor 2. And number 10, Incredible Hulk. Wow. You know so what's crazy? Justin, Justin is our high man at eight. Look at yep. that. You're not that far behind though, Tim. I 7. know. 7.675. 7.7. What's basically. crazy is Jenny ranked Hulk so low that she has three movies over a nine and she has the lowest average of anybody. Yes, mm. That is outrageous. Yeah. yeah, if you brought Hulk up to four, you'd be, you'd be up there. Yeah, yeah, I can't do it. If you brought That's Hulk not going to work for me, brother. You'd, you'd only be above Scott, actually. You wouldn't be. Not gonna be. Yeah, it wouldn't be that much. Yeah, and Scott's a 7-3, so you guys are both down there. Um, One of us just loves these movies more than everyone else. It's okay. Not everyone's a fan of comics. I get it. Yeah, yeah. It's not for everybody. But my grades, when we get to phase three, my average will go up a ton. Everyone has to like them. See, I feel Uh, like it's going to go, I mean, not tremendously down from where it is, but I feel like y'all are going to overtake me at a certain point. I think so, too. In In terms of the averages. My grade, my grades for almost all of the third phase are, are outrageous. Yeah, but I might go to like a Meltzer eleven on some of these. You know. <laughs> no, not outside co- the realm. Cosmic grades. Cosmic grades. Um, if Omega can get a six, so can the, the Meltzer eleven. Meltzer eleven. Cosmic stars. I'm really for uh, looking forward to our next show because we have Avengers: Age of Ultron up next. Yes. And. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like there's going to be varying degrees of enjoyment on that movie. Um, so I'm interested to see who falls where. Um, but for now, let's wrap it up. Uh, Tim, is there anything you'd like to talk about before we go? Uh, I would like to talk about my past childhood trauma. I would yes. like to talk about the pair of backup underwear I am currently mm-hmm. wearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like to talk about my flatulence that may or may not have made air just now. Mm-hmm. Like a breaking glass. Yes. <laughs> like a breaking glass. Um, glass shatters on podcasts. Oh. No, I I would tell you that um, you should follow the Jenny position, all the great shows on the Jenny position that you can hear in addition to the Journey Through Infinity. Jenny, Jenny and I, you and I, all, I, um, <laughs> what did I just... You became William Regal. (laughs) Outback Jack. Outback Jack. Eight stones. Oh, are you going to vote? How do these things always happen to me? No. Listen to Talk and Pop with myself and Jennifer Smith here on the Jenny position also because we solved some mysteries. We took, you might say, a journey into mystery Mm. our most recent episode. That's right. Netflix's Unsolved Mysteries. We had six mysteries, and by the end of that episode, we solved them all. They're all cases closed. You might as well not even watch the show now because we solved them, but uh, listen listen to our episode. Um, we're also partnered with, of course, the Place B Nation wrestling feed. So check out Place B Nation wrestling and your preferred podcatcher app, where Jenny and I... We all do. We always just do shows together. That's how it works. That's in my contract. We're the we dream have, team. Yeah, talking WCW where we talk WCW. Got an episode of that coming up. 
probably in not too much longer. It's going to be discussing the WCW career and three matches from the Giant. He is our next individual on tap for talking WCW. And last but certainly not least, PTB NXT, also on Place V Nation Wrestling Feed. That is you, me, and Jacob Williams. And uh, we've got, on our most recent edition, the run-up to the first takeover. Mm-hmm. So we've got three episodes of NXT television from 2014 on tap. And that's going to bring us into takeover. So big things are happening on PTB NXT and on Place V Wrestling. So uh, beyond that, follow me on Twitter. I am at Syke68CYKE68 on Twitter if you want to. Do it. What about you, Scott? Uh, as uh, Tim mentioned, the PTB Wrestling feed is amazing. Tons of great shows on it. Check it out. Follow me on Twitter at PTB Podfather. And that's about it. Justin? Hi, mate. Check out the North South Connection podcast. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Tiny <laughs> kangaroo ding <dang-da. laughs> That's it. North South Connection podcast. Network. Uh, great shows every day coming at you. JC the Pod Guy on Twitter. That's me. Goodbye. All right. Well, I guess we're done here. Uh, you found me on Twitter at Jenny Position, um, and I think Tim has pimped all my shit. So, thanks for that. Bye. Thanks for listening, and uh, come back for the next stop on the D journey through infinity. Oi, mate! I'm Groot. Hey, you're the Wallaby. <laughs> I really don't understand how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> Once I checked out his Instagram, I felt better. <laughs> Hi, I'm a creeper. I'll do your driveway. Slide to his DMs, too. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that work you did on my driveway. Could you cut me in something later? <laughs> uh, it glistens. I'm about to shoot slot like you, Tim. <laughs> <laughs>